This is the Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast, episode 180. I am Joel Hollingsworth, and as always, I'm joined by Will Shelton. Will, I got a challenge for you. Are you are you up for a challenge? Probably. I was at the game last night, so pr- probably not. Probably but not. let's let's go. All right. Uh, answer the following question without talking about the Vols uh, game last night. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, the Braves are currently down two to nothing in the bottom of the second in game two of the NLCS. So I cheated and used another sports team. So I'm all right, but they won last night. Uh, that was the one, one stray cell phone signal made its way to my phone in the third or fourth quarter. It was like, oh, they won three to two. And for a moment, there was peace in the land. Uh, so, <laughs> so that was good. Okay. Um, I want to talk about the game. Of course, we, we, we want to spend most of our time on the game, but we got to get, we got to, unfortunately, we have to talk about something else first. Um, uh, not wanting to spend too much time on it here because I think that the uh, poor uh, radio guys, <laughs> they're going to be talking about the same topic all week long. And uh, so you'll have plenty of opportunities. But uh, of course, there was a controversial call with about a minute left um, in the game. And it was fourth and 24, I think Will corrected me on. So it was fourth and 24, looked like we, well, it was controversial. Well, let's, we'll leave it at that. Um, the um, top three pictures of the game on ESPN right now um are what happened after that uh so people started throwing uh water bottles and mustard bottles and golf balls and uh, all chaos broke loose and um it looked like maybe they were going to even stop the game or you know it took them a good 15 or 20 minutes to uh to reconvene play they kicked out the student section who promptly snuck into another exit somewhere (laughs) um but anyway so that's led to a whole bunch of uh you know finger wagging at uh tennessee um and like i said the 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 top three pictures on the game at espn currently are a dasani commercial basically just all on the on the field go me um uh showing a golf ball to an official um, and uh, Kiffin sort of being perp walked out of the stadium by a platoon of police. So, and then right below that, we got uh, Feinbaum uh, uh, of all people uh, calling Tennessee fans an absolute disgrace. So that's all fun, right? Um, The thing is, it's embarrassing, you know, uh, for the vast majority of Tennessee fans um it's a really super small percentage i mean there were even if there were a thousand bottles on the ground you know that's what one percent of all the fans who were there you know it was most of it was coming from the student section you know and it's not like this hasn't happened before anywhere else you know this this happens in sports it's, it, it's not uh you know the people who are uh wagging their tongues and their and their fingers um will um, have to defend themselves and their schools later. Uh, it just happens. We, you know, uh, some people poison trees. 
Um, <laughs> we, uh, we threw water bottles apparently. So, you know, don't do that, you know, but uh, it's, I think people are making a little too much out of it, but yeah, please don't do that. That's, uh, that, that's not good. It's embarrassing. So you got anything to add to that? Will? it's, it's hard uh, when we say we don't want to take too much time on this. It's hard. I think to, wade into the because to me it's nuanced because yes of course there's there's no there's no flow chart that ends with yes you should throw something on the field yeah not at any sporting event i've ever you know unless someone is on the field you know throwing things at you then even then probably not so like yes of course hockey uh aren't you supposed to throw a squid on the ice who what what team is that is that Detroit Red Wings or something. I think that's right. But if you're like some hockey super fan listening to this podcast, you know, email Joel. I think that's right, but I'm not a hundred percent. So anyway, like, yes, of course, like there, there is no, the yeah, but, uh, well, what about the referees? What about whatever? Like none of that, it doesn't matter. There is, there's no, there's no flow chart that ends with, yes, it's okay to throw things on the field or now, oh, now it's okay to throw things on the field. So yeah, sure. Like that, that part to me is easy. It's also easy to see or say, yes, there's a very small percentage of fans uh, doing this in this environment uh, and that sort of thing. I think a lot of it after that, and, and also let me say this, and by the time you're listening to this podcast, you may have also already read on our site, me writing this, I struggle like when we say we have to start here, that sucks, man. Cause I don't want to start here. Like, like I I want to start with how Tennessee played, which I think all things considered was pretty good and encouraging. And we're going to get to that, but uh, I don't, I don't like that. uh, Even a game we didn't win. I, I don't like that, that, that gets taken away from or whatever after having said all those things, I feel like there's a lot of nuance in it. That's, that's interesting to me. I don't know that it changes anybody's mind about a a whole bunch of different things. Uh, I'll say I was, I was at the game, but our season tickets are on the 48th row. So like I was, I wasn't in danger of getting hit with anything. Um, Our kids are four and one. I haven't taken either of our children to a Tennessee game if I had taken them, they also would have been on the 48th row. So like, I would not have had that concern, but you know, it was jarring to see walking out of the stadium to see um, uh, there was an Ole Miss couple walking out with me who they had their son who was, I don't know, probably five or six. But anyway, he was asleep because good Lord, you know, it was, it was 1230. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just thinking about, uh, you know, think like, just the math of the situation would suggest that somewhere in Neyland stadium, there was a parent who had to make a decision about, I got to get my kid out of here. That's no good. But that, you know, that didn't happen to, to me and that sort of thing. Uh, one thing I can tell you for sure, having been, I just turned 40 and I've been going to games in that place now for 35 years. And um, this was the first game. Uh, alcohol sales became a thing in the BYU game two years ago. And as we wrote on our site last week, Tennessee hasn't sold a game out in that span and really hasn't had, I mean, the BYU game was its own adventure, but Tennessee hasn't had anything remotely close to what was in there last night. 
pandemic year last year, no opportunity for it, all that stuff. So um, yesterday was the first time in the history of Neyland Stadium where you had the kind of game that draws that kind of crowd. Also, it was at night. So uh, people that are, are going down that route have been going down that route all day, many of them. Um, and just in my sake, I mean, it was it was um, it was a different. It, it was just like, oh, oh, like yeah, like now this is kind of like the student section again because there was a level of that. There was a level of people who had had too much that was just higher than an average Saturday at Neyland Stadium over the course of the history of a lot of really big football games in that place. So that was a factor too. I, I'm I'm not at all saying that the solution needs to be to do something different there. I'm just saying it was new. That was, that was a new context for non-student section people. And I think that was part of the equation, um, as well. So I, I, you know, I think that, um, yes, we'll talk about referees. We're going to talk about that. Um, that was no good. Uh, regardless of that, no, you shouldn't ever throw things on the field. Um, national media that want to poo-poo on Tennessee. Um, there's just so many, you know, in, in every one of those pieces that I've read today, whether it was Dan Wolken or David Ubbin or, or other people, when we talk about, oh, the reputation of Tennessee fans, this or that, like, well, in part, you guys kind of decide what the reputation is. You're the guys that are writing this story. If you're there in the game, there's... Greg Sankey was on uh, The Nation with Austin Price and Chris Lowe earlier tonight and said, I give credit to the 99.9% of Tennessee fans who are well-behaved inside the stadium. So, yeah, like, you again, you if you're choosing to say this is the reputation, then you're willfully choosing to base it off of a, a certain percentage. But that certain percentage, it was so disappointing to me because a lot of those folks – we're doing it on their way out. You know, you would see people chuck something and head for the exits around me, which is I'm, I'm in the end zone opposite the student section. And so that was disappointing. Um, by the same token, I think it's also a good example again of um, uh, Twitter is not real life. Um, a lot of Tennessee related people on Twitter are all up in arms about you know, uh, the athletic director needs to stand up for us more. The, you know, the chancellor needs to stand up. Like they're behaving like athletic directors and chancellors. You're supposed to come out and say, look, this is unacceptable because it is, there is no flow chart that ends with, you can throw things on the field. So like, yeah, man, I get it. I was mad too. Like it, it is a bad, you know, seemed like a bad spot, all that stuff, but you still like, that's not an acceptable outcome. And it, I don't like the word acceptable for that anyway. Yeah. People are adults. You got to make up your own decision. It's a bad decision. It's a fruitless decision. And more than anything, we still had a chance to win. Yep. And this is the part that I think that this is where um, I struggle the most with um, even today with, with um Actions matter. Words matter. I'm just a big believer either by trade or by whatever that the things we say and do have to matter. And that's in part because, you know, you and I have have written at a site for years and years where we write thousands of words and Joel's not on Twitter and I'm not very active on there. Like we don't choose that platform. So like right away, I'm I'm uh, 
not a fan of that, but you know, whether it, when, when you're, whether it's throwing something on the field at Neyland stadium or then getting on Twitter and refusing to <laughs> refusing to say, Hey, no, you shouldn't do that. That's wrong and stupid and fruitless. And what about and all other stuff? Like, I just, I think all that stuff matters. It all counts and it can all seem, you know, literally or figuratively like a throwaway thing, but it all matters. And especially in a situation where concretely you could say, we still have three timeouts. I just, I kept saying that over and over and over because it was getting tense in my section too. And it was like, look, I don't know what the rules are. I learned, I didn't know before that the refs can't call it in that setting. They have to get permission from above, which is a good rule. But, you know, were we going to get delay a game or whatever? Like actively, actively, indisputably, you are hurting Tennessee in that moment. And I just, I just couldn't, like, it's not an opinion based thing of, um, I'm wearing my, uh, we promise no petitions, uh, 2014 t-shirt, uh, not on purpose. This is like the shirt. It's what I'm wearing, but it's not an opinion based thing of like, Hey, if you sign this petition to bring back Bruce Pearl, you're hurting Tennessee. That's my opinion. If you're throwing a water bottle on the field, when we still have a chance to win, you are hurting Tennessee a hundred percent of the time. And so like, that is super frustrating. And, and then to see and read some today of, people who refuse to even acknowledge that point because they would rather be in their feelings or, or get off a, a meme or whatever. I just don't understand that. There's a whole, again, we don't want to talk about this long, right? But the nuance, there's, there's the 30 second obvious version of it. And then everything else to me is nuanced. Are we no joke? I mean, this is going to sound like a, like a joke, but we have lost for so long. We should be good at it. Like theoretically, theoretically, yeah. We should know, like, here's how to handle losing. Now, this opportunity is not, this wasn't an every week loss. This is a huge game and a great environment and the first time and all that stuff and stakes. And we could have won it and maybe we should have won it if officials don't do things that are, are bad and wrong. But um, we, uh, and I do think there, for again, Twitter's not real life. For a, a vast percentage of Tennessee fans today and tomorrow, I think the conversation is going to be the conversation really is is what's going on with Hendon Hooker. But beyond that, it's going to be, man, we we played really well, and there's a lot to be encouraged by, and uh, all of that stuff. And I just I feel like we can process losses better on one level or whatever, but in the moment. Um, we, we, I don't know. I like, I feel like we should be better at losing. We should, we should understand and, and process and move on. Um, but in that moment, not only were we not good at making uh, good choices, the choices we made actively had a chance to hurt Tennessee in a game. We still had a chance to win. Yeah. So of all the things I don't understand about that, it's that one the most where I'm like, we, st we still have a chance to win this game. And and I do think that's one other thing that makes it unique when there's a lot of videos going around Twitter, uh, you know, the, the NFL game in London today, people were throwing stuff on the field. The difference here is this lasted 20 minutes. And none of those other delays, including the one where Grant Williams and those guys went to Ole Miss and they threw stuff on the floor a couple of years ago in basketball. That wasn't 20 minutes. 
20 minutes is a long time. Yeah. As anyone watching this game will attest to, or listening to this podcast, which we probably talked about this now for 20 minutes. So <laughs> anyway, simple version. Yes, of course, don't throw things. And yes, of course, the referees were bad. And yes, of course, it sucks to lose. And it, uh, the, there was a nature to that beast inside the stadium when their guys had injuries, real or imagined, that was just building this, this, this thing was happening that it felt like you couldn't control. Yeah. And that built an agitation that I think would have been there. Like if Dan Mullen was doing that, I think people would have still been just as upset about it. But because it's Kiffin, like you, you, you don't even have to make that connection in your brain. You're just, you're automatically even more upset about it. So you connected. (laughs) Yeah. You, you had a whole, especially the second half of just things that felt like you could not, it felt like no one could control it, that these guys are falling down every play and there was nothing anyone could do about it. And then that spot happened and it felt like nothing could be done about that. So like, I get it. I get it. It sucks, but you can't throw stuff on the field. <laughs> like, And, and it's okay to say like, no, 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 still like, you can't throw stuff on the field and maybe let's talk about how you process things as a Tennessee fan, because you especially can't throw stuff on the field and we still have a chance to win the game. Yeah. So anyway, that's enough of me talking now. Uh, well said, Will, 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 well said. So uh, let's talk about the game. Um, so just uh, an overview of it without getting into too many of the details. Um, this is actually the first time I looked at the stats. I, um, you know, I didn't get to, I think, one thirty, because the game wasn't over. <laughs> I think, uh, I, uh, I was up. You know, I don't. I'm not a guy who actually gets very juiced anyway, but uh, I was, I was pretty juiced toward the end of that because it was, it was a great game. And we had that chance. Well, okay, we'll get into that. Um, so anyway, didn't have much uh, uh, sleep, so that's why it's hard for me to stay on uh, stay on track. I, I guess I should have some coffee like right now. But anyway, so first look at the stats here. Um, both teams had 29 uh, first downs. Um, that's good. So we're we're as good as they are um, on offense. Total yards, it was 510 to 467. Um, passing, we actually had more passing yards, 245 to 231. Rushing seemed like they had this huge advantage. It was only 279 to 222. Um, yards per rush, 4.5 to 4.4. Um, they had more penalties, and then we each had a turnover, and our turnover was probably more valuable because uh, he hadn't thrown one yet this season. You know, um, we played a really good game and we did most of it without our best offensive linemen and then several other guys who went down and uh, had a chance uh, there right at the end to win it. Um, So, um, yeah, we lost, Uh, but we, I, you know, again, it's hard for me to say It, it feels like we might be good. (laughs) <laughs> right 
So, uh, so what do you, what are you thinking? I know you started a post, but haven't published yet. I, I think there, uh, so right now, um, Tennessee is still, and again, we've played seven games. These seasons always move so fast. You forget like we're, we're more than halfway there now. Yeah. So we played seven games. This is not a small sample size. Tennessee's 15th in the country in SP plus. And they only went down four tenths of a point after Saturday, which this was also the case when Tennessee played Florida. And it was the case when Tennessee beat Bowling Green in the opener in a game where you're kind of like, uh, really play for play, which is why we love SP plus Tennessee did the things that you kind of expected that they would do play to play to play to play. You're going to have highs and lows and turnovers and all that stuff. Obviously, Missouri and South Carolina, Tennessee did things that we did not expect them to do. And that raised, you know, Tennessee's ceiling. But no, I mean, coming out of that game, not only do you feel like uh, Tennessee was as Tennessee can be as good as we thought they could be. Bill Connolly tweeted out earlier, he does SP plus and does the expected win percentage after the game. Say, if you take these stats and you play this game a hundred times, what's, what's the expected win percentage? Tennessee wins this is gonna this is gonna hurt all right so just I'm gonna say it Brace yourself. With, with those stats Tennessee wins that game 71 percent of the time like we were better so uh first don't don't muff a punt yeah especially not at the 15 yard line or wherever you did it I mean that's that's obvious um it's that's the biggest that's the biggest swing in the in the whole game. It doesn't feel that way because it happened in the first quarter of a four and a half hour football game, but that's that's the most in terms of a play that actually happened. That's the biggest swing in the in the game. It, the the fumble ran back for a touchdown that got called back. That's not in SP Plus data because in the official you know according to the referees that play didn't actually happen. So, um, but look. Uh, to me, the biggest takeaway, just just for that night, because we got to talk about injuries going forward, but the biggest takeaway just for last night, how is Tennessee's defense doing this? Yeah. We were not good last year remotely. Good against stopping the run, but then Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask and all those guys are like, cool, you're not going to touch us, so we're going to throw, we're going to complete 80% of our passes and 99% of our passes over the middle of the field. And, you know, let's just, let's just do this. Ole Miss, again, like quick, quickest way to help yourself as a football fan is to stop looking at total with, with Heupel, quit looking at total yards. Those guys had 101 plays. This happened to the reverse when we played Ole Miss or when we played Missouri in 2016 and people were like, oh my gosh, they got 700 yards or whatever. Yeah, they ran 110 plays. Like, Look, you the the per game stuff is is this has been true for a long time, and I, I sound like someone who's been through some recovery program or whatever. Used to be true for me too when I first started writing at Rocky Top Talk all those years ago. Good folks in the in the comments, some of whom later became writers on our site, were like, "Hey man, per game does like it's got to be about pace. It's got to be relative to what the pace is." So if you look at per play, Ole Miss got a shade over five yards of play last night. The only team in the country that's held, not in the country, the only team on their schedule that's held them to less than seven and a half per play is Bama. Like, how is our defense doing this? On first down last night, 
we were great. Great. Now, third down, not great in terms of Matt Quarrel is such he, he's so good at keeping the idea that he's going to throw it alive long enough to create the space he needs to get the first down. He's not, ga- you know, if it was third and eight, he got 10. If it was third and 12, he got 13. He's not gashing us for huge plays. He was ruthlessly efficient. And just, I mean, that guy is a good quarterback, man. Yeah. That that guy is a good player on, and on some level, you got to tip your hat. Uh, just, um, but other than that, our defense, I don't like, it ain't, you're not going to see much better than that. Uh, let's put Bama over here on the side because Bama is Bama and, and can still do Bama things. But I don't care. You know, Kentucky could be good and Georgia could be good, but offensively, it ain't going to get any tougher than it was last night. Yeah. And, and they, and again, if you go back and look at what they did to Pittsburgh, like, how are we doing? This defense is good, man. And it had no reason to be, <laughs> none yeah. whatsoever. And they're yeah. good. Yeah, and, and it's like Ole Miss has, you know, we still have problems with the plan C, mm. right? So, you know, you got – this happened with uh, quarterback for uh, Florida. I forget his name. The Emory Jones. Emory Jones. So, um, you know, we, we held them um, mostly, you know, did pretty well against the, the run and the pass, but we could not stop plan C which was Emory Jones declaring that uh, A is not working, B is not working, I'm going with plan C and running for a third uh, first down. And that happened over and over and over again last night. A is not there, B is not there, here's plan C, and I'm getting a first down every single time. So, uh, you know, I don't know what you do about that. I think that's just a good offense that every defense is probably going to struggle with. Now, you know, Bama – they figured out a way. It's what happens when you got nothing but five stars who can, you know, they all weigh 280 pounds and run four, four forties. Right. Right. So, um, anyway, yeah. Um, I feel like we did pretty good. So I'm, I'm, uh, optimistic about the team. And again, you know, the, the scheme is there, uh, Heupel and the staff, they know how to get guys open. Um, and then we're just, we're lagging behind just a little bit on, on execution, I think. And that's just a new team and, uh, man, uh, things are looking bright for the future, I think. And, and I do think here is where we have to say, and I I wrote this and what I'm going to publish. Like we might want to put a pin in it right here because uh, defensively, I, I have no concern Again, it's 101 plays. Those guys are on the field all night. And Ole Miss got a touchdown in the second half, and that was it. And when we had to have it, when we had to have it against Pittsburgh, they got it offensively. Never mind. I mean, what we thought or what I thought would be the biggest storyline going in, which is Tyon Evans doesn't play. Jabari, maybe Tyon Evans busts, you know, one of those runs that Jabari Small doesn't, but it's a good workmanlike performance from Jabari Small. Hendon did a lot with his legs. But now, the biggest thing about this, and when we're recording this on Sunday night, we don't know. what what's Is Hendon hurt? Is he out for this week? Is he out for the season? 
obviously he's not faking an injury at the end of that game because you know that that uh he's i remember saying like if he's if he's got a cramp like tell joe milton to spike it and then he can come back in and we'll you know go from there but um and then two what's going on with Cade and cooper is that are they coming back next week because there's a lot of bless your heart out there on Tennessee's offensive line, not because they're doing it a poor job, just in terms of if you told us in week one, you know, we're going to be doing this with some Ollie Lane and uh, Dane Davis, who, I mean, Dane Davis came in and I'm not sure he exited once Cade Mays went down and Cade Mays went down early. So, now there's a conversation about when we talk about where Tennessee is in SP plus and how well they've played in the ceiling and all that stuff offensively. If this for the rest of the year has got to be Joe Milton and the, the five-star hearts on the offensive line. Yeah. Um, I trust that Hypel can figure out a way to, you know, I don't, I don't think we're going to shut it all down here, but is it going to be at the level that we've seen uh, you know, for, for much of the night last night, in spite of the line stuff, but at the level we saw glimpses of against Florida, that sort of thing, I, I don't know. I don't know what the drop-off is there. And again, we still got five games left to play, and we run a lot of plays, and on every play, somebody's got a chance to get hurt. Guys, it's not like no one else is going to get hurt for the next five weeks. So um, we're, we're still close to being in a danger zone situation. And I think, um, and I, I may have, I wrote this too in the piece, as, as consistent as Tennessee is in all the good ways, that offensive line beat up and depleted is also pretty consistently the thing we're worse at. We give up three and a half sacks per game. Again, inflated because we run so many plays, but we still give up three and a half sacks per game. And holding penalties, uh, crucial, crucial, crucial on the two drives where we had a chance to take the lead uh, before the, the bottle throwing stuff. So like, yeah. I get it. We we are we are running a makeshift offensive line out there, and now we might be doing it against the backup quarterback. So we may we may put a pin here and say this is the week where we kind of felt the best about the long. When I say long term, I mean you know next year and all that other stuff. Yeah. We may pin this thing here because of injuries and say, all right, remember like when we were semi healthy, this is what they did against. Pittsburgh and Ole Miss and both of whom are ranked and all that stuff. And I think no matter what, we should still beat South Alabama and Vanderbilt. So we, we should still get to six, probably no matter what, you're still going to go to Lexington off a of bye week and feel like that Tennessee is, has an opportunity in that game. So, um, but just, it just, this team is playing really well and, and well above expectation and all that because of injuries, especially at quarterback, this may be the peak of it, but that doesn't mean that there's, um, you know, that, that there's just going to be pessimism uh, from, from here on out. These guys are play to play, even as depleted as they already are. These guys are doing a great job. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's talk about some of the uh, calls, uh, some of the performance of the officials. Um before we get into the whole laundry list, though, let's talk about the main one, which was the uh, fourth and 24 spot. Um, it looked to me in 
uh, real time that he got across. Um, you know, assuming the yellow line is correct, and usually it is, right? Um, I was with a guy uh, who is is from South Africa, so he, he's used to watching rugby, and he's like, "Yeah, there's no question." <laughs> I said, "Well, you know, it's it's where the ball is when his knee touches." He goes, oh, "Okay," but um, I think if that would have been called good um, on the field, it would have stood because we just didn't have any good camera angles uh to show you know from that side uh, where the ball was when his knee touched you had to sort of guess and you can't turn it you can't uh, overturn it on a guess um but what did you see i know your uh, your regular seats are in sort of the end zones you probably can't tell um you know, you weren't right on the sideline, right on the line to see, but what, what, what did, and of course you're, you're with a hundred thousand fans and they're probably all saying that he got it. So, you know, a little influenced by peer pressure there, but what do you think? It was, so they just needed so much yardage that you, you know, everyone had kind of given up on the play before the play started. Yeah. And again, we still had three timeouts. So we're thinking, okay, like, Ole Miss at that point would have been in field goal range, but even if they kick a field goal, they'd only be up eight. So, you know, we kind of moved on, or I'd kind of moved on anyway to, all right, this isn't over, but I don't expect us to pick up this this thing. Great throw by a hidden hooker uh, in that situation. Great throw. Uh, as soon as he went down, I started looking at the referees, and you could tell right away that they were going to measure. So... I was like, okay, you know, well, let's just see. And then on the, on the, um, we started doing the math from the board of, okay, it was fourth and 24 here. Then he would have needed, I think the 40, he needed to get to the 40 because the, the yellow line, we didn't see the yellow line at that point, of course, but like it was right on the, on the, the 10 yard marker. So we're like, he needed the 40 and you could see where they spotted it, even bringing the chains out that, it was going to be short. So they, and it's, you know, when they stretch the chains, it's short by a a yard. I mean, it was short by a lot. So we kind of thought, okay, well, he's just, you know, so close, but he didn't make it. And then they showed the replay in the state. After all that happened is the first time they showed the replay in the stadium. And then when they showed the replay in the stadium, that's when everybody you know, was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I, I, this too gets into the bottle throwing conversation because what happened in the stadium without the yellow line and that sort of thing, like it was, no, this definitely didn't happen. Then the hard swing to, yes, this definitely did happen. But at least for me, and I remember talking to the, the guy I was with and the guys in my section to say, look, like they don't like overturning calls. And the initial spot, is so far behind the yard to gain the the amount of there would have to be such a large admission they would not only have to admit they were wrong they would have to admit they were really wrong yeah. and i just remember thinking like they're not they are not there's nothing and because you can't see the ball in that camera angle really yeah i was like i you know the moral of the story is 
this is a bad spot initially. And there's plenty, rightfully so, that's been going around online today about look how far out of position the guy is to make this spot. I think there's a whole thing, and, and we'll talk about this with the other calls too. T- Tennessee uniquely finds themselves in situations that tend to lead to rule changes. Yes, yes. And I like I don't know what that is about us. Uh, that makes that that way. But I, I told the guys with last night, it's like these, these referees, they get all their continuing education credits through us, man. Like they're, they're, they, you know, we're, we're the off season film where they're doing scenarios and case studies and that sort of thing. So, but anyway, um, not everybody in the stadium may have had that perspective. Plenty of people in the stadium were, were uh, various levels of intoxicated at that point in time. And when you just watch, when you watch the replay, it looks like, oh, he got it. Yeah. And, well, and that's, you know. yeah. And, and on, on TV, you see the yellow line. Um, and it, it looks like he's over. And it, there's actually not really much doubt. Um, and then you start seeing it. Did, was this this play? Did you see the two different uh, umpires or refs? I don't know which ones they are. Um, but one came from one side and one came from the other, and they were not in agreement. Um, they were both, that. They, were, they were a yard apart, I think. Um, and they sort of compromised. Um, so, you know, on TV, you immediately wondered about the call. So you didn't have that instant flip like you guys had in the stands. Um, but yeah, it, uh, you know, um, most people are, most of the objective observers are, I, I think, saying that it uh, was short. Um, I, I find that kind of hard to believe. I think it's, uh, you know, the, the SEC Now team, the, the post-Saturday thing, it, I think that's Benjamin Watson is the new guy on there, isn't it? The, I haven't seen it. The tight end from Georgia. Um, I don't know where he, I don't remember where he played college, but he was a new Orleans saint and he's got a bunch of ministries and stuff now. He's that's a, that's a way back Georgia tight end. Um, yeah. So anyway, guy. good guy, but he was overruled. I mean, he, he thought the thing was short, but the other three guys, or he thought the thing that, that we gained it, but the other three guys thought that it was obviously short. So, I mean, there's controversy about it and that's why you got review, but, um, you know, I, I don't know why you had only three camera angles on a fourth down. You know, this is the line to gain, except that nobody thought you were going to get 24 yards. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, hey, that could be it. Uh, and I will say, too, and this I've seen this. Uh, apologies, I can't remember where. I've seen this. Someone made this point earlier online today. The worst spot that's happened to us this year was the third down spot against Pittsburgh where we had the first down and they marked it short, but because it was third down, that didn't feel like such a, an egregious sin. And then we got stuffed on fourth down, but that's that spot, you know, that was much less territory needed. And that one did not get reviewed and that, you know, that one. So yeah, like, again, we, we got to learn how to lose, we got to remember how to lose well. We we need to worry about the things that we can do and all that stuff. But a person would not be crazy 
to say that those when we talk about the value of a play and what it means to the outcome of a game, that spot against Pittsburgh and certainly, I, I mean, obviously that play at uh, fourth down play last night uh, did not the, the the human element of officiating was not kind to Tennessee in either of those scenarios. Yeah. All right. Um, that was not the only uh, <laughs> weird thing. And, you know, we don't generally complain about the refs, you know, that this is football. So the kids make mistakes. Um, the fans make mistakes, you know, grace for them too. Uh, the, the officials make mistakes. The coaches make mistakes. You know, everybody's going to make some mistakes. Last night was not a good night for uh, the officials. There were a lot of them and they seemed to be going against uh, Tennessee. Uh, I think the next most uh, painful one was the, uh, the sack fumble that was returned for a touchdown. I mean, what they called, I mean, wh- here's what happened. And, and correct me if you view any of this differently. We had two guys converging on the quarterback who was dropped back to pass. They get him in the grasp, but he's not down. He's a running quarterback. And you can spin out of that. You could still throw it and, you know, get intentional grounding or something. Um, but um, instead, they continue with the play and they go to like tackle him to the ground. And it takes them a minute to a second, you know, to get him all the way to the ground. And in the meantime, he fumbles. Um, so it looks like your typical sack strip, which you see all the time. Um, and then we pick it up, we run it in for, uh, for a touchdown. Um, what the officials ruled was that basically it was touch football. As soon as we touched him, <laughs> it was forward progress, you know, and the play stopped when we grabbed him. But the play doesn't usually stop just when you touch the quarterback, just when, or, or even when you have him in the grasp. Am I right about that? Well, to me, especially, they didn't blow the play dead. If you want to call that his forward progress was halted, and I'm not up to speed on what's reviewable and what's not and all that stuff, but um, if you want to call that his forward progress is halted, they didn't, no one made that call on the field. Yeah. And so I don't know if it's a matter of going back and reviewing it or, or, yeah, I, again, this was the longest huddle of, of the night. We got our, we got guys out there to kick the extra point and you know, they're huddling up about this thing. It was a weird, I, I, he fooled me. I, my eyes, when that play happened, followed the running back. He fooled the cameras, everybody, um, and, everybody and he, who also would have been stopped by the way, because our defense did a great job, but that initial thing when that play happened live, my eyes went to the wrong place. And then when I went back, there was something just weird and off about it where I thought that there were players that stopped, not Corral and not our guys tackling him, but other players on the play kind of stopped up in the offensive line and all that stuff. And initially I thought it must've been a false start is what I thought that there is someone 
someone jumped. This was no play. It's a false start, whatever. Even Corral, let me just stop you there. Even Corral um, sort of, he stood still with the ball at his side. Um, and it looked like he kind of stopped. So I'll give him that, but that's, that's just a fake, you know, that, that's just a really good uh, play action. Yeah. I think that um, the Braves have just tied it two to two. If I get real excited here for a second, the, uh, the um, now I'm all flustered. So even like, even if he stops, if he's giving himself up or whatever, which would be a very Matt Corral, like not, not in his, you know, MO to do watching him the rest of the night when he spent most of the time getting out of things. Uh, It it was just weird. But even after watching it be weird and all that stuff, I'd never, it it never crossed my mind that they would go back and call it that his forward progress was stopped when no one blew it dead that way on the field. And that one, again, to me, is is going to go in the file that referees around the country are going to watch in the offseason and say, all right, what do you do in this situation? As in, don't do what they did, <laughs> you know? So, um, and this this is not there. This is a different conversation. But I really think, and listening to Greg Sankey talk about it uh, or, or reading the tweets of him talking about it tonight, these guys – falling down and pretending to be hurt i think there's going to be updated legislation about that yeah that our game now you know becomes the poster child for (laughs) it's so nice everybody can learn from our pain yeah well we get a you got a 10 second runoff uh thanks to us so uh you know you're welcome to anyone that's benefited over the course of the last 11 years um and uh I just always, man, when we, when we went back and did those stories of the decade things, it's like, what a crazy decade has been around here that, that the, those two games, LSU and North Carolina in 2010, like barely register, like they barely cracked the top 10 of weirdest things that happened to us in the last yeah. decade. Yeah. Um, two games in one season that were over and then not. Over. Yeah, I do. When you said we don't like to talk about officiating, I remember in the moment when that North Carolina one happened, I think everyone that wrote for us wrote a separate piece. <laughs> it was like a cry, like we were, I mean, you'll appreciate it. It's like we were a team of lawyers taking different pieces of the evidence and trying to break it down and say, cause I remember writing like, why didn't this referee stop? He just spotted the ball and ran away. He's supposed to stop and let us substitute if they're running the field goal team on. And they're not like just, so anyway, having been through that experience of egregious stuff I do think generally, and having lost for a long time where you kind of have to look in the mirror, generally, I do think we try to not blame officiating overly. But, uh, you know, there's one thing that was helpful about that play last night is we didn't score, but we did punt them down and then got the safety right away and then scored again. So for that brief moment where we're up nine to seven, it felt like you didn't have to worry about that. And I think that, you know, you ended up just kind of pushing pause on that. But then when it all goes wrong at the end, we're sure talking about it a lot now and, and rightfully so. So. All right. So um, do you want to talk about any other bad calls? I mean, that spots. Or- no, I, I just think something has to be 
something has to be done about the faking injuries. We, you know, we had to somebody, we had a guy run off with his helmet off who fell down. Like we did not do it nearly to the degree that it was done to us, but we're, we're not totally innocent of that too. But um, that seemed to be more like he was actually hurt. And um, the, the coaching staff was telling him, if you're hurt, get down because <laughs> then you get, um, you know, uh, you're not going to risk a penalty of too many men on the field or something like that. I mean, that's a little different than just I'm standing there and all of a sudden I fall um, and have a cramp. I, what Sankey was arguing for, and I think this is a good rule, you, you would have to fine tune it, is to say, guys, have got to go out longer. If you go down, you've got to sit, whether it's three plays or the rest of the drive – whatever whatever the right number of plays is there which would really be interesting if something happens you know not if their helmet gets knocked off but if your quarterback takes a good shot or or whatever and and you had to play the backup quarterback for three plays or the rest of a drive that would be interesting but you just can't um i had this conversation with some Ole Miss fans walking out like we know what it's like when that guy is your coach and we know what it's like to defend things that should not be defended, but you do because he's your coach. Yeah. Um, that, that is, uh, again, this is cliche and hyperbolic, but like that's bad for the game of football last night. I don't care for soccer. So like, I don't apologize to anyone who listened to this, but like, I don't, I don't, the, the diving and all that stuff. I don't get it. Uh, Again, like I, I just so I don't think that's good for football remotely. What happened last yeah. night, yeah. and uh, you can say it's good gamesmanship or whatever if you want to, but um, it would not make me proud that that guy's my coach. And and if when he when he was our coach, we right now we would be going through and looking at every one of those energy uh, every every one of those injuries and saying, well, look how many snaps this guy played. Of course he was hurt, you know, or whatever. Like. I get it. If you're an Ole Miss fan, I've lived that life before, but um, it, something's got to change about that. Yeah. It, it also leads to uh, something that could be really bad. I mean, what if somebody is like really tragically hurt? Right. You know, um, you got a hundred thousand people booing a guy who's uh, lost his, the use of his left arm, you know, like inky. Right. You know, um, you don't, you don't want to see that either. But it's just, yeah, there, I think a good rule is, is to have them out for maybe the drive, that drive. It's going to be really hard to enforce, though. You need another, that's another thing for the referees to keep track of. Make sure this guy's not on the field. Can, can we, there's just, this is a separate podcast, and I don't have the answers to any of this, but the SEC has about as much money as God. So, <laughs> Can, can we not, I, I know like everybody's short staffed on the face of the earth right now, but surely we could pay somebody to be like, Hey, 27 went out. He can't go take his helmet. Yeah. He's like, it's concussion protocol or whatever. He can't go back in until the next drive. Um, surely we could pay for a better product than this. So anyway. All right. Yeah. We're not going to fix, uh, fix all the problems of the world or football in this podcast. That'll be the, that'll be the next episode where we'll, yeah, we're off. We're off next week after Bama. So we got more time to do that.
we're taking the podcast off just because we know no, i mean like we don't we don't have to talk about next week we could just solve the rest of the problems of the of the world um yeah so yeah stay tuned for episode 181 yeah all right um so um want to talk about uh milton uh being in the game late um and hooker being is is there any news on hooker yet we've been talking for 40 minutes i have not seen um i mean that that whole thing is uh, he's obviously hurt or he would have come back in the game in that situation of course so um i have not seen anything uh there is there's no word or no educated (laughs) guess that I've seen as of Sunday night at 9.08 PM. So, yeah. Okay. Well, um, so Milton came in, um, you know, first credit uh, Jones for getting that uh, ball across the 50 on the kickoff. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. And probably all the blockers too. credit all of them. Um, and then, uh, you know, we were able to get down to what was it? We were like on the 20 when there was 21. Yep. 21, about, you know, 20 seconds left or 10 seconds left or something like that. But Milton threw a pretty good pass into the end zone that was just out of reach of, was it Tillman? Yep. I think it touched his fingertips. Um, it looked like maybe he was tired and couldn't jump high, but I don't. <sighs> It was, he had to throw it high because there was a de- defender in front of him. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, we were that close to winning that game on that play. And then we had three seconds left. And it's just situational awareness that, uh, you know, he hasn't been playing most of the season. And instead of, you know, when he scrambled out of the pressure, he needed to stop behind the line and just wait, you know, just find, pick the best, the person who was almost open and try to chuck it to him. Cause the second he crossed the uh, scrimmage line, there's no way he's getting 20 yards into the end zone. Um, so, you know, grace to that guy, um, big mistake. Um, but it's really, it was just an opportunity anyway. Maybe everybody was covered and it was just, wasn't going to happen, but um he'll learn and uh you know the thing is we've got three quarterbacks and uh you know there was there was a time when we were wondering you know you know which which of these three guys is going to be and the thing is i think that hypel he just knows how to coach quarterbacks um milton did not play bad except that he never corrected his overthrows that's the only mistake that that dude really had early on in the season. He was overthrowing everybody um, and then never, you know, adjusted. Um, but if he can fix that, he'll be just fine too. Um, but, you know, Hooker is our guy right now. So hopefully he uh, can come back. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure that all is not, that all is lost um, if uh, if we got to play the backup or maybe even another. Harrison Bailey still, you know, he was highly recruited. He doesn't have the legs, I guess. 
Uh, he doesn't have the plan C, uh, but he's got some accuracy. And it seemed like his main problem up, up front was the decision-making speed in that pace. Um, but uh, he might be catching on to that too. So I don't know. We'll just have to see. And then we got to get Cooper and Cade back. Um, Cade went out on the first series, didn't he? It was early, yeah. That's rough. So, anyway, despite all of that stuff, we had a chance to win that game at the end. And uh, it was a good game. Let's not lose sight of that because of all of the water bottles and the mustard bottles and the golf ball. Um, so, uh, what are you thinking just quickly as we wind this up uh, about the – about the future you know it like you said put a pin in this one as if everything falls apart you know this is where we were in year one and eventually um a short roster without any depth and um alabama and georgia on the back end of the schedule um just made things look worse than they were when we finally ran out of gas. Yeah. Again, I go back to, if you compare it to the other times we've started this, uh, take the Kiffin year and put it aside. We're two years removed from Atlanta at that point in time. It was <laughs> Eric Berry's on that team, like super talented. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't worry about them. The Dooley year, um, we, we should have beaten LSU, but that's a game. Um, we ran this piece last year about Tennessee's turnover margin. That is, um, it's one of two games in the last 10 or 11 years that Tennessee was like plus four in turnovers and didn't win. Um, the other one was the Kentucky game the, in the last Bush Jones year where we kicked 47 field goals in that game. Um, but uh, so you, you had some, some turnover based, had we beaten LSU and we had, we kept the right number of men on the field at the end you still would say, wow, incredible performance by the defense, but you're not going plus four in turnovers uh, every Saturday, all that stuff. Um, Dooley's team really uh, took some lumps and all that until, and they made the switch to Tyler Bray when the schedule got easier and that all worked out well. So as we talked about before, a lot of your year one optimism with him was based around, we found the guy at quarterback and he's got at least two more years here and, and all that stuff. Butch Jones in that first year, almost beat Georgia very legitimately. Uh, and Tennessee played well in that game. And then uh, they, they played better against Georgia than they did against South Carolina the next week. They just won that game because Marquez North was superhuman in that game. And then strangely, not much heard from again. Yeah. Uh, but um, Butch's team played that team, that's the hardest schedule any Tennessee team's ever played for my money. So they got their brains beat out a lot, but it, it was against top 10 teams a lot. So it was hard to kind of know where to go with, with them. Um, and But I think the big difference to me is Pruitt's team beat Auburn. They got a defensive touchdown, all that stuff, and was shockingly good against Kentucky that year. But play for play – what we're seeing right now is so much better than what we saw in 2018. And again, you, you've the worst year any of us have seen was Butch's last year in terms of play for play competitiveness and all that stuff. 
But in 18, you're still just two years removed from a team that should have gone to Atlanta. And that team, um, play for play, just struggled almost every week. And this Tennessee team really hits their mark or exceeds it almost every week. And uh, I think that's a great thing. So we'll see. Again, I I don't know. uh, I'm not going to get too worked up about what they do or don't do with Alabama. Um, And then you get an off week, and whoever you got, you can get them healthier. And then let's let's see. Kentucky, they're off, I believe, this week, and then they get Leach. So it's going to be hard. Um, I I would imagine that however you feel about Kentucky right now, is probably going to be how you feel about them after they play Mississippi State. So let's see. Uh, is that a game that Tennessee can use um, their pace and and dictate that game in a, in a way that Kentucky can't? But anyway, even if it's Joe Milton, I think that there could be – or Joe Milton plays terribly against Alabama and then it's Harrison Bailey. I still think there's been enough good with Tennessee and Tennessee's defense that you could talk yourself into it if we don't see another rash of injuries. And at that point, man – if they found a way to beat Kentucky, no matter who's playing again, seven and five would give you a chance to win a bowl game and get to eight and five. That'd be better than any first year coach has done here since Philip Fulmer. So um, there's, there has been a lot to like. I'm, I'm worried that we are becoming too injured to like much more. Yeah. But let let me just say, I pulled when you were talking about hooker Um, Virginia tech played Pittsburgh and, Man, if any of, uh, of my Virginia Tech people that I know and love have listened to an hour and 17 minutes of this podcast, bless your heart. Maybe don't listen to this part. Virginia Tech played Pittsburgh uh, Saturday. They scored seven points. Wow. And their quarterback that, you know, kind of is one of the reasons I think that Hooker transferred against Pittsburgh. He went 11 for 32 for 134 yards. So when we talk about Hypo can make a quarterback work, I mean, uh, people here are people here don't enjoy watching us. Uh, they enjoyed watching us at the start of the year when they had beaten North Carolina and they were feeling good about themselves. And and Hendon came in against Pittsburgh and was like, "Oh, hey, there's Hendon. Look at him. We don't like Pittsburgh because they're in the ACC. Hooray!" They haven't much liked watching us since then <laughs> because what he has done is vastly vastly more efficient than what he was doing and the guy who quote unquote beat him out um went 11 for 32 for 134 yards at 4.2 yards per attempt against the vaunted pit panther defense on which we scored 34 points and overthrew 47 guys before that oh it's still fuente so no other big changes not yet but uh you know Tough market now. Ed Orgeron did us a favor uh, here because, you know, he's that now tomorrow morning in the national stories, you get to talk about how Orgeron and these guys negotiated a buyout and uh, who's going to be the coach at LSU instead of talking about on a national level, instead of talking about Tennessee fans or jerks and, and whatever kind of, you know, hyperbole and stuff that will get thrown out there. So shout out to Ed Orgeron for uh, taking control of the news cycle. Good. All right. Well, anything else you want to say before we put this one in the end? Please don't actively hurt Tennessee. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. 
good all right well that's will shelton i'm uh, joel hollingsworth appreciate you listening this has been kind of a long one uh but uh thanks for sticking around and uh and uh we will catch you next time i think there will be one after uh alabama so yeah well we'll, we'll be here <laughs> <laughs> we're always here yeah all right well take care y'all we'll catch you next time